It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Time for another edition of The Bottom Line here on News Radio 610 KONA. Rob, off today, flying solo one more time. I'm your host, Ed Dawson, and we're going to jump right into things. Uh, Talking about a bill that is working its way through the state legislature, House Bill 1110, already cleared that chamber. It's now being debated on the Senate side. And it's uh, one of those hot-button issue bills uh, throughout the state uh, that's deeply divided uh, people, no matter where you go, uh, along political and ideological lines. And that is the low-carbon fuel standard uh, in the state of Washington. Uh, on the one side, it's uh, it's being proposed as a bill to, uh, you know, create a cleaner environment. On the other side, the costs involved uh, could be uh, catastrophic for some. Uh, and here to talk about it is Dana Bieber. She is with uh, the Affordable Fuels Washington Group. Uh, Ms. Bieber, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Ed. It's a pleasure to talk with you and with your listeners. Thanks for the opportunity. What is Affordable Fuels Washington? Affordable Fuel Washington is a coalition of Washington families, farmers, businesses who have all come together uh, to oppose House Bill 1110, the so-called low carbon fuel standard measure that you mentioned. We're a broad coalition that's really concerned about this measure because at its core, House Bill 1110 is a costly, ineffective and unworkable policy. And let me explain what I mean by each of those. You know, this is uh, modeled after a California law. So we already can look to California and see how it works. And what we found in California under their low carbon fuel standard is that the cost of gas Gasoline has increased by 16 cents per gallon and slightly more for diesel. And of course, all those costs are borne by Washington families and consumers in the form of a regressive proposal that hits those who can least afford to pay more for basic necessity of gasoline. They've also learned in California that the policy is ineffective. It has not significantly reduced greenhouse gases, but of course it has increased the cost of gasoline. And lastly, it's been an unworkable policy. Uh, in California, they've already had to change the law several times because it hasn't been able, the goals have not been able to be met. And that's why the California's own regulators have recommended that they eliminate or significantly modify their low carbon fuel standard. And that's why we want to have this conversation with you today and with your listeners so we can urge them to contact their state senator and urge them to vote no for this costly bill. Is it just a matter that uh, people are still driving single vehicle cars and emitting the same amount of of carbon and and everything into the into the atmosphere they're just paying more or is there something specific in the in the California bill and maybe even in the proposed Washington state um measure that is not working well in what we do right now with gasoline is we already are using biofuels in them. We have about 10% of biofuels that we're using. So we're headed in the right direction. And I think most people would agree biofuels are going to be part of the solution forward. But under House Bill 1110, simply we don't have the quantities that are sufficient to meet the goals of this measure. That's exactly what they've experienced in California. So what you've all, everybody's ended up with in California is increased cost of gasoline. And it's important to remember, you'd pay more at the pump for something like House Bill 1110, but not 
none of that money goes to transportation improvements. It doesn't go to fixing our roads and our bridges or reducing traffic congestion. And that's what I talk about it being a regressive proposal because it hits those who can least afford to pay more. And that's why I wanted to talk with your listeners and encourage them to take a good hard look at this. They can get a lot of information on our website, affordablefuel.com. Excuse me, affordablefuelwashington.com. Learn more about House Bill 1110, and then we want your listeners to have their voice heard and encourage them to call their senator at 833-261-6161 and encourage them to vote no on this measure. Whenever we talk about this this issue in particular, and we've we've talked to members of both sides of the argument, I ask the same question. Is there a compromise out there? Is there a way to make the environment cleaner, uh, which is what one side professes is the goal, without the financial impact, which is what you're saying, the biggest downside Mm -hmm. uh, to a measure like this. Is there somewhere in the middle that a compromise could be reached? You know, I think we can all agree on one thing, and that's the fact that we know that we want to make our environment cleaner and better. But we can't do it by enacting policies that push the cost down on Washington families in form of regressive cost increases for gasoline. We've got to have a policy that's actually effective, that it will demonstrate it to reduce greenhouse gases. And we have to have a policy that's workable, one that we know can, the standards can be met. And that's where House Bill 1110 fails on each of those three tests. But having said that, the second part of your question, there are definitely members of uh, Affordable Fuel Washington Coalition who want to look at uh, Uh, market-based solutions that actually work. In fact, in California, their own regulators determined that their cap-and-trade program is far more effective than this low-carbon fuel standard they have. And in fact, the low-carbon fuel standard is 10 times more costly in California than their low-carbon fuel standard. So why would we want to enact the same type of policy here that's costly, ineffective, and unworkable? I see where primarily Democrats are going at this they they want to punish the the makers of the of these pollutants right so they go after uh the oil and gas producers but inevitably they're going to pass those on to the consumer which is what uh we're talking about would it be a a possibility to instead of going the punishment route go the incentive route I think you've seen some of those uh, proposals enacted in other states, but you're exactly right about this. This is punishing to consumers. This is punishing to families. You know, we all have to drive to work. We all have to take our kids to school. We already have the second highest gas tax in the nation. Can you imagine putting another 16 cents a gallon on top of that? And again, no transportation improvements, no uh, congestion improvements, nothing like that. There's no money that goes back to the public in any form. And it's also concerning because... I call this double regressive. You get hit when you go to the pump for the basic necessity that you need. But the money that that is generated from this through credits, that money can actually go to private industries. For example, industries that build electric vehicles. So people working families here in this region, the Tri-Cities, would end up paying more at the pump and they would form uh, subsidies for affluent people buying electric vehicles. That's doubly regressive, and we think that we can do uh, better in Washington. That's why we want your listeners to call their legislator, urge them to vote no on House Bill 1110. Do we know where it is? Is it just in committee right now? It's in committee right now, so there's certainly time, um, but time is of the essence. But that's why we want folks to call their legislator. Again, it's really easy to do, and I'll just give you the number one more time. It's 833 261 
6161. Be connected with your state senator's office and just urge them to vote no on House Bill 1110 because it's costly, regressive, and ineffective. And we deserve a better policy when we're talking about something as important as the environment. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that farmers all over the state are urging a no vote to legislators on this bill, because it really hurts our family farmers here in the eastern side of the state. You know, the wheat growers and the um, Cattlemen Association, the Farm Bureau, all are opposed to this measure. And they're part of our coalition, Affordable Fuels Washington. Dana Bieber from Affordable Fuel Washington. Appreciate you to stopping by and, and sharing the information with our listeners. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate the opportunity. Going to take a time out here on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Plenty more to come. 547-1610 is the number. You can email the program by going to the website 610KONA.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA presented by McCary Meats in Basin City it's your voice your show call the legendscasino.com hotline 509-547-1610 you can email the program too just go to the website 610kona.com go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment in fact let's go to the phones you're up on the bottom line who's this where are you calling from Yes, this is Don from Richland. Hi, Don. What's up? And I was just listening to the lady's presentation. It was quite good, I thought. But to me, I'm a retired research scientist. And uh, the problem I see with a, a, a carbon budget is when we have forest fires burning in Alaska, northern Canada, and northern Russia, we have, first, we don't know how many fires can go we know i do know from experience in north canada that sometimes those fires just have to burn out and the snow puts them out in the fall uh and the production of carbon co2 from all of those fires that we have really no way of estimating how many how much carbon is produced there much less whether it's volcanoes or there's so many sources uh and you have to look at a a carbon budget to come up with some kind of proposal to solve the problem if there is a problem and if there is a problem are we how much of driving a car or whatever the production and use of fuels how much does that produce as far as co2 is concerned if you do a carbon budget Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Excellent point. Absolutely excellent point. Uh, do we, as a society, know exactly where the problem lies? I don't know that we do, only because, and, and our last caller kind of alluded to it, I think. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But we, we know that there are different studies that come out all the time about uh, you know where the biggest... Uh, problem is for the ecosystem, whether, you know, for for a while there, it was um, it was uh, CFCs like in aerosol cans. 
And, uh, you know, we needed to, to, to not uh, spray so many CFCs into the air. Uh, that was creating the ozone hole or the hole in the ozone layer, right? Remember that? Uh, and then it repaired itself after a while. Now, was that a naturally occurring thing or what, or did it have something to do with something that we as a society were doing differently? The, the, the notion of the, the carbon thing again, and, and like we mentioned with, uh, Miss, uh, Bieber from Affordable Fuel Washington is most people, you know, may not be an ardent supporter, but most people want a, a clean, nice environment, you know, that, that, you know, nobody wants to live in, say, China, where it's all, uh, you know, smoggy all the time, Los Angeles, where it's smoggy all the time. But addressing the situation, where are the problems? How can we address the problems? One tactic is this House Bill 1110, and that tactic is go after the carbon producers, penalize them for damaging the environment. Okay, that is one way to go about it. The problem, as we mentioned last segment, is that if you do that, inevitably, almost guaranteed, those extra costs are going to be passed on to whom? The consumer. And that, of course, has an effect on everyone, unless you own an electric vehicle. Now, I don't know if I, you know, I, I might take exception a little bit uh, to what Miss Bieber said about uh, that only, you know, it, it, um, it helps the most affluent. They, you know, electric cars eventually will come down in price, and they already have since their first uh, incarnation. No, not everybody can afford one. I get it. Um, but I don't know that it's only available to the super rich, let's say. Be that as it may, there is the approach of penalizing the, the carbon producers and emitters. And then there is the incentive the the to uh, find a way to incentivize cleaning up the environment too you know is it you know are you going to which way are you going to go well right now the the democrats in the legislature want to go the punishment route although it looks like they're going to be ending up punishing the wrong people whether they realize that and care or not let's go back to the phones you're up on the bottom line who's this where are you calling from Hey, it's Ryan from Richland. Hello, Ryan. What's up? So uh, I just heard about this bill and from your fine radio station. And uh, my question is, people don't realize the ones that are all for this is you're absolutely right. Uh, I actually work for a huge logistics company. I won't drop their name, but they already have trucks on standby because if this pops, I lose my old truck. I get a brand new one, which is a thumbs up. The thumbs down is our prices will probably go up exponentially because everything that we have to drive now will have to have death fluid in it. So people really need to look at the whole picture, like you said, sir. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. 547-1610 is the number. 509-547-1610. It's not only going to affect the prices of the regular unleaded gas that that uh, just about everybody drives around normally, but diesel pr- diesel prices are already 
higher than regular unleaded anyway. And yes, that will affect some people, uh, just regular commuters. But where it's really going to hit, who uses the most diesel? Transportation companies, uh, transporting products, uh, the ag industry. Everybody is everybody is going to have it tick up in price uh, if this goes through. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Max uh, chiming in from Kennewick. Hello, Max. What's up? Uh, I've yet to hear an intelligent discussion about the fact that most of the pollution in the atmosphere comes from China and India, who burn coal, just like the uh, anomaly of 90% of the plastic floating around the ocean comes from Asian countries. So you can outlaw drinking straws or uh, start riding bicycles, but until you're able to come to some consensus with those guys, it's a waste of time. Max, I totally get what you're saying, and I agree with it. The reason, however, we are not hearing uh, that as part of the discussion is because unless we slap more sanctions on China, and that's not really going very well right now, we can't really control what other countries do. We can control what we do or don't do. That's the thinking behind it. Again, right or wrong, uh, it's debatable, but that's why you're not hearing. And you're absolutely right. Where you know where the population bases are, you are inevitably going to have higher carbon emissions from from industry and from personal transportation and and, and everything. So yes, India, China, Russia, the United States, uh, European countries, the industrialized European countries, all of them are. I guess, a part of the problem, so to speak. But we can't legislate what Germany does, really. Don't tell Jay Inslee that. I think that's part of his platform is to go after everybody around the world. But, hey. Um, So this House Bill 1110 that uh, is that carbon fuel standard to reduce greenhouse gas emissions uh, did pass barely, actually, um, well, by by uh, legislative standards, 53 to 43 um, on the House side. So it's now uh, it's now in a, the Senate Committee on Environment, Energy and Technology, uh, which is supposed to meet on that today or tomorrow. I'll have to double check uh, before it heads to the floor of the Senate. Chances are strong it'll get passed there. You know, again, the makeup of the legislature is such, um, you know, it's not a futile effort, but, um, you know, it is what it is. 547 A little bit later on next hour. Since Rob's away and I have controls, uh, you know, full control of the show. Uh, we're going to dive into one of my uh, one of my interests. Hopefully, it'll be an interest of yours too. I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Says the bottom line. 
News Radio 610 KONA. Local news headlines, more of the show after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610KONA.com. Back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610 KONA. You can email us too. Just go to the website, 610KONA.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comments. Well, last segment, we uh, talked about a bill in Olympia making the rounds in committee. Going to switch to a bill that is making the rounds in the state of Florida. A proposed Florida measure would make it illegal for pet owners to leave their dogs behind during a hurricane or other extreme weather scenarios. The bill would prohibit people from leaving a dog tied up and unattended outdoors during both man-made and natural disasters such as hurricanes, tropical storms, tornadoes, after a warning has been issued by the National Weather Service or an evacuation order has been issued by local officials or authorities. The bill would also authorize veterinarians to report suspected violations without notifying the owner. It states that those who abandon restrained animals commit animal cruelty and would be subject to a fine of up to $5,000, as well as first-degree animal cruelty charge punishable by up to a year in prison. The bill is currently under review, and if passed, would take effect this July 1st. So, this is in Florida, okay? They get a lot of natural disasters. We know this. Mostly hurricanes um, and the like. Is this a good idea? Now look, I'm an animal lover. Used to work for the Humane Society. I get this. People who purposely don't bring their animals along when they're evacuated are are horrible people in my mind to me i've i was always i was raised and was always under the impression that animals were a part of a family um they weren't things they weren't possessions yeah they weren't people but they were part of the family i can't imagine needing to evacuate my home without taking the family pets along. But people do it. To legislate this, making this a more severe penalty and a more severe crime than a simple um, animal cruelty charge, I don't know. I don't know about that. The language in it that a veterinarian can make a claim 
without telling, notifying the owner? Uh, that's a little scary. It's it's almost like getting called for CPS or you know called uh, to CPS uh, by somebody who thinks they're mistreating that you're mistreating their kid, um, even when you're not. And you don't know where the claim came from. You just have to deal with it because you weren't notified ahead of time. I don't like that portion of the bill. Authorizing veterinarians to report suspected violations without any notification of the owner or to the owner. 547-1610, 509-547-1610 here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Where do you fall in this argument? This this proposed Florida State bill would up, up the ante on animal cruelty charges, which I'm all for. I'm all for that. In this case, the language is such that... If during a natural disaster or man-made disaster, any kind of disaster where you are you are forced to evacuate your home, you need to take your pets. And they keep saying dogs. I assume it's cats and the like. What about birds? What about hamsters? What about horses? Hmm. Actually, a horse, getting a horse into a trailer probably be easier than uh, getting a cat into a carrier. <laughs> Trust me on this. 547-1610 is the number. If you'd like to email us, you can go to the website 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. Is this a good idea that the state of Florida is mulling over or is it not a good idea? Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? It's Bernie from Kennewick. Hi, Bernie. How are you? Fine. I'm glad I tuned in on this. Um, Yeah, I think a fine should be issued for that. But the the trouble is, if it's a pet, a lot of, if you're going to a shelter or something like that, they won't allow your pet. And, but when it's a service animal, like I've got, those service animals are $30,000 or more to train. And, and it is... Uh, within the law that they can, the person that needs that service animal, officially licensed and trained, can take them to shelters in any place that they go, that animal can go because it's not a pet. But, you know, you mentioned about horses and, well, they're sheep and, and cows, and what do they do with those? Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate the call, Bernie. Thank you so much. 547-1610 is the number, 509-547-1610. You know, they get a lot of natural disasters in Florida, so they're looking at this. Um, I get I get the kind of the onus of, of the, the legislation. You know, the people that, I mean, uh, seeing, seeing a dog tied up on at a tree as... You know, wildfires are coming or a hurricane is coming or whatever is coming and you just get in your car and leave. I, I, I can't share the words that I would like to on the air. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, yeah, this is Mike. He comes 
kind of touched on what I was going to point out. I, I think in, in general, animals are a lot more resourceful, even domesticated animals, than we give them credit for. But you're right. I mean, you know, leaving something tied up where they can't use their, their instinctive nature to, to get away from the floodwaters of the fire is that's, that's pretty cruel. But I think if uh, if it's like a last-minute thing, you've got to get out of there and you just you don't have time to go to your pet, you got to understand that human life is more valuable than than animal life, of course. But, yeah, you don't want to leave them in a cage or tied up or anything like that. Give them a fighting chance. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it specifically, the bill specifically talks about, uh, you know, people that do that, uh, you know, leaving leaving an animal tied up or just simply unattended um, outdoors while disasters are going on around them. Uh, again, it, it, it punishes, it punishes uh, pet owners that aren't, uh, being responsible, I guess. Um, Five thousand dollars and up to a year in prison. Mm, I don't know. I, and, and I'm an animal lover. I, I don't know if that's too severe or not. I don't know. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Candy. I'm from Richmond. And what's on your mind today? Long overdue and uh, not enough punishment. I, I am an animal lover like you, and I am sick to death of the animals that get left behind because they're tied. They're left behind inside a locked house, uh, whatever. I mean, like the previous caller said, they're not given a fighting chance. You know, the, the, there are irresponsible owners that just don't care. They're not like you. They don't look at them as family. Then don't own a pet. You know, I... Don't leave them behind. They are a family member, long overdue. Bah. I wish Washington would get in on it. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Five four seven one six ten is the number. Five zero nine five four seven one six ten. Unfortunately, this bill came about because um, this this was a, a a problem in that state. Uh, we know that what, every year Florida gets hit with at least a couple of hurricanes, it seems like anyway, some of them quite severe. And they were they were having a problem with this. So I guess my question is, if you, I mean, there's always a way around it. I mean, you, you know, if you were sick enough to do this, you could go and tie up your dog at a neighbor's house and if it's not doesn't have a microchip, it can't get tra- traced back to you. You could do that. How are they going to catch you uh, in doing that? If they are able to rescue the dog, or even if they're not, uh, you know, if they can't trace it back to the owner, um, you know, then this bill is kind of for naught. Uh, maybe it's one of those things that is meant to send a message. Um, how much of it is actually going to be enforced? Hard to say. I'm I'm with I'm with our callers. Uh, this is this is a good idea. Um, again, I don't know if I like the language in there about the vet being able to report suspected violations without notifying the owner. Talk about giving somebody a fighting chance. Back after this. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Rob and Ed. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610, KONA. 
Email the program, too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. Uh, Also, we are podcasting this show. Uh, We've done that now for almost a couple, well, a couple weeks now. And uh, later on, a little bit after the show is done, uh, we put the podcast version of the entire show uh, up on our website under the podcast uh, pull-down menu option. Uh, So you can, uh, if you miss the show or you want to go back and listen to old shows, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. So you can't go back, unfortunately, and listen to something a year uh, a year ago or something like that. But uh, but we now are offering uh, that option. Five four seven one six ten is the number. Five zero nine five four seven one six ten. Talking about this proposed bill in the state of Florida, and we know that um, Florida is a swing state. So we can't really make any suppositions about uh, the way this bill might go. Uh, and even if this is a liberal or conservative-leaning bill, I don't know that it is. It really comes down to the fact that um, enough people in the state of Florida over the last few years have left behind pets during an emergency uh, when they have to evacuate, for whatever reason, some leave dogs tied up, and obviously it doesn't give the animal much of a chance at all. Well, this bill would go after, at least in theory, I don't know sometimes how you can enforce this all the way, but be that as it may, it's it's meant to go after those pet owners who leave animals behind, tied up, restrained during evacuations for man-made or natural disasters. And, you know, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that necessarily. Um, The, the fine, well, it would be, it would be a um, animal cruelty uh, situation punishable with a fine of up to $5,000 and up to a maximum of a year in prison. Okay, some may say that's a little excessive. Some may say that's not excessive enough. I'm kind of like, okay, I guess if that's the maximum, okay. Um, And again, I'm an animal lover. You know, I... (laughs) I'm trying to look at this pragmatically, too. The, the the part of the bill, again, that I have the biggest issue with is the language in it that says the bill would authorize veterinarians the ability to report suspected violations without notifying the owner. So after a hurricane comes through, a stray animal is picked up, It uh, it's taken to a vet maybe, or or a shelter. Uh, it's scanned for a microchip. Hey, it has a microchip. Very good. We'll, we'll reunite uh, the animal with the owner uh, if all the contact information is up to date. Hey, they, they, they got a hold of the, the owner, and uh, they're going to come pick up the animal. Wonderful. You know, everybody's reunited. Everybody's happy. 
parallel to that, the vet turns in the pet owner for whatever reason and doesn't confront, doesn't have to confront the owner. Uh, and before you know it, the owner is getting charges put upon him or her. I, I don't, I don't like the way that is laid out. If we're talking about giving an animal a fighting chance by not tying them up to a tree during a hurricane, you know, at, at least give them a chance to fend for themselves, go hide somewhere, use their natural animal instincts to survive, then maybe we should afford a little bit of that to a pet owner who may have made an honest mistake, not the ones who purposely tied an animal up and got in the car and never looked back. Those, those, I have no sympathy for those people at all. But I've also come across enough pet owners who make mistakes that aren't bad people, aren't even bad owners, but things happen. I'd hate for them to be punished and be blindsided with a punishment because this bill allows vets to, to go after people without telling them. Again, the whole notion about if we're going to give the dog the fighting chance, maybe we should give the owner a fighting chance, too, um, in certain cases. 547-1610-509-547-1610, if, uh, if you'd like to join the conversation. Um, again, this bill is in Florida. It is currently in the uh, Senate, uh, the Florida State Senate. And so it'll make its way um, through those chambers, and, and we'll see if it becomes law. And maybe maybe others, you know, there are no new ideas anymore. So uh, if, if one state passes something like this, then other states will look at it. Maybe Washington or Oregon will look at something similar, although it would probably, the language would probably be more so for a wildfire. Can't remember the last hurricane we had. Probably because there's never been, uh, maybe not never, but you get my point. It would probably be a case of, uh, you know, if you leave an animal uh, behind on purpose, uh, tethered uh, with a wildfire going on, same thing. You know, how is the animal supposed to fend for itself if it's tied up? The animal even, and we even had a, a caller mention it, even even a, a, a housebound uh, animal still has some animal instincts that kick in uh, in a situation like that and that they could probably at least have a fighting chance to go hide somewhere. So we'll see how that goes in Florida. We'll see if it goes anywhere else. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is on deck. We'll get you some local news headlines, uh, news from ABC. And then hour number two will kick things off next hour with a debate that is still raging on in 2019 whether or not to ban one particular book. Stay with us. This is the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KONA.